Hello and welcome to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And today, we'd like to get to the source mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the source. And be sor- grateful yes. that we have cafes in this world. Oh, okay. And yep. that we, this is a landmark episode. <laughs> well, don't get people. Well, okay, about yes. About Father Yod. That tied together beautifully. Thank you so much. Was, like, you really have a fast, smooth, like mind. So, yeah, hey, we got to interact with the Source family. The Source family. Maybe which you've heard of them. Isn't easy to do because they haven't been around since the mid 70s. And some of them are dead, but a few of them are not. And there was going to be a reunion dinner held in their honor <laughs> at Cafe Gratitude. Ross is doing. I feel like I'm singing. Happy. I've got hands uh, spreading out like the sun rising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm excited. Or maybe a ballerina. So the Source family, if you haven't heard of them, was a religious movement in the 70s in California. Picture hippies. Picture people dressed all in white. People with long hair. Free love, kind of. People living in a commune. Picture a charismatic leader with an increasingly large beard. And they kind of kick-started the whole health restaurant craze in California. Especially the Los Angeles area. And if you called them a cult, they probably wouldn't bat an eye. They seem to kind of embrace the term. Oh, okay. One of those. At least- The Raelians uh, had that going on too, right? They were kind of like, well- Let's talk about what this word means. If oh, you right. define it this way, sure. If you define Cold it this can way, be a now. good thing. Anyway, about that's the swastika. W- that's a that's a really good way to inoculate your followers against other people telling you you're an occult. You know? Oh, sure. Well, yes, and actually, a cult is really just from the root word <laughs> <laughs> meaning cult, a small horse. <laughs> it is a culture, and we cultivate it. <laughs> well, there's a documentary called yeah. The Source Family. Yes, which I highly recommend. You had seen really it before. Good. I had not. It was the first gift Drew ever gave me. Oh, really? That's Mm -hmm. interesting. On DVD. On DVD. Oh, I remember DVDs. (laughs) (laughs) Can I do that yet? Is it like eight tracks yet? No. (laughs) We're sitting in your living room and there's like a hundred DVDs DVDs. next to us. Some of those are (laughs) Blu-rays. But you remember them. I remember them. Yep. I totally do. Right there. So we watched it on streaming. On oh, Amazon. Wow. See, see. Very cool. Yeah, it's a fascinating story about Father Yod. Yes. Who was originally... Jim Baker? Right, not to be confused with other Jim Bakers. Right. And like so many other cult leaders, just someone who is an interesting person with a lot mm. of talents. He was uh, like a champion martial artist. He was a stuntman. He just seemed like generally like someone who was well-traveled and yeah. a man of the world. And then, you know, he grew out a beard and started collecting people and leading meditation classes. I believe he studied under Yogi Bajan. Yes, Okay. You're right about that. So, yeah, the documentary is fantastic. They have a lot of great photographs and like it's really well documented. And a lot of that is thanks to a particular person that we'll talk about who was at this reunion. And who I believe co produced the film. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she was involved. And so, yeah, everyone we talked to this event that we're about to tell you about was very positive about that film. And even though it shows, some of the positive and negative sides of the group, they seem to be pretty open about all that. Yeah, I think it's pretty even-handed. 
Well, we found out about this particular event because one of our very good friends, Matthew Strugar, maybe you've heard of him, he tweeted about it. And this <laughs> is a very Matthew tweet. Well, first of all, you should know the Source family founded a couple of vegetarian restaurants in LA in the 70s. And what this event was going to be is sort of a pop-up homage to the Source family restaurant. Mm -hmm. And the tickets are $75. So Matthew <laughs> tweets a link to this and says, gross, the ruling class taking something that was purposefully geared towards serving affordable vegetarian food to the masses and repackaging it as a $75 meal with CBD doses and optional wine pairings. And then a barf emoji. Barf emoji. <laughs> Such a Matthew tweet. So I immediately texted him and was like, oh my God, Matthew, thank you for the heads up. We will make sure to go. And then he was like, I hate you. <laughs> I'd write back and be like, don't worry, we just got tickets. Probably the last two. Oh, thank goodness you told us. Are we part of the ruling class now? Uh, I guess, but we did it for a good reason. So well, you'd all know. So you so you all wouldn't show up to the next one if you don't want to, because uh, you'll find out about we it. We did not pay for the wine pairings, though. That's true. Just the $75 ticket. And the CBD came with it. I'm excited. So it was going to be on December 5th? Yes, 2019. And so reading through the invitation, one of the things that it spelled out was that there is a dress code for this event. Yes, you what, have to wear all white or cream. I started thinking, oh, crap. Hmm. What do I have that's white? Yeah. Not, not a big part of my wardrobe, but especially in the pants department. Yeah. White pants, not a common thing for men. No, and I have very little white stuff in part because I'm a person who menstruates. That's a lot right. to deal with. Right. Wearing white can be a bold statement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a uh, risky venture. That's why they do it in tampon commercials, to be like, look oh. how confident I am. Well, I mean, and just in general, you know, you sit down on something, your oh, pants yeah. get slightly dirty. Everyone's going to see it on mm -hmm. white pants. Jeans, mm -hmm. everything blends right in. Yeah. White pants are really just a brag. It's like, I haven't had to touch anything. <laughs> You know? I guess so. I'm so rich. So it's like, I okay. haven't touched anything. I know I have a white undershirt, no problem. I've mm -hmm. got like a white dress shirt. I can wear that. I have some old bowling shoes <laughs> that are white. <laughs> the sole is coming off of one and like flapping on the back. Great. So I glued it shut. Perfect. For that evening, it kind of worked. Oh, you wore the bowling shoes. Good yeah, for you. I was wearing bowling shoes, right. which have served me well. I've saved over the years. I saved a lot of money on uh, <laughs> renting bowling shoes. Nice. You know, even had some white socks. But what am I going to do about these pants? Mm -hmm. So a couple days before we were going to go to this dinner, Cara and I went out to, I think we started at Target and there were no white pants there. Okay, what are you talking about? There was one place, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but we asked at the front of these people came up to help us and they laughed. <laughs> like they laughed. The reaction was <laughs> white pants. Okay. <laughs> and I said, well, it's for a cult reunion dinner. And they're like, what? Let me defend myself. <laughs> yeah. Cara thought this was very entertaining, uh, <laughs> me trying to justify this. And we went somewhere else. And then it was in the same shopping center with a Walmart. And I don't shop at Walmart, but mm -hmm. I was like, I need white pants. Let's yeah. go in there. Even the lady at Walmart laughed <laughs> wow. when I mentioned wanting white pants. She said, no, we don't have that. Okay. So I tried four places total. Was it Tilly's? I think Tilly's was the first one where they actually laughed when I asked for white pants wow. for a man. Okay. So yeah, I was batting zero. And the closest you can get is like tan, but that's not cream. Correct. You know, or some other kind of- I think they would have let you in, but- 
But right. Not in the spirit. They would of not have turned me away. So Kara very kindly suggested, well, I do have two pairs of white pants. Oh, nice. One of them might fit you. There you go. Your listeners would love that if you were wearing my <laughs> pants. <laughs> Tried on the first pair. Nope, not fitting. Way too tight. Second pair? Fit fine. Okay. I had myself an outfit. I sent you a picture. Nice. Look, look at me. I got all white. Yay. I can do it. So well I was done. wearing my wife's pants with the itty bitty useless pockets they put in women's and pants. And now you know. I feel like that's some form of discrimination. Yeah. I mean, I think the reasoning is that pockets stick out a little bit and then they cut off that subtle curve that people want in a woman's pant. Um, but it's not worth it. The trade-off's not worth it. Give me some pockets. Yeah. Utility. Yeah. Over form. And I had to go to a Ross, your store. Hey. Yeah. And get an all white outfit. You did, though you were very expensive. Oh, yeah. You were getting all that on your way to the dinner. Yes. Oh, my God. So I went to see Weathering with You, which is the new movie by the guy who made your name. And with my friend Abe. Hi, Abe. And when it was over, I was just like, oh, I did not plan this well. I don't have time to go home. I don't have time to go home. Like the movie was on the West side. Our thing was on the West. It just didn't make sense. And I hadn't thought about it. And so then I thought, okay, well, I can find like a Ross or a Marshall's or something. What'd you think of weathering with you? I liked it. Not nearly as much as your name. name. Yeah. No, it's half as good. Maybe. Yeah. If if you haven't seen your name, great film. Your name is incredible. Oh yeah. It's one of my top five movies. So I went to this Ross. I was like, just please let there be. I mean, I don't care if it's too big. I don't care if it's too long. I don't care if it's, you know, not my preferred gender style. I don't care. Just get me white stuff. Sure. Yeah. And so I- Clothe this body in white (laughs) raiment. I can look terrible. That's fine. So I found a much too large sweater, a pretty too large pair of pants. Okay. I did find white tennis shoes, but somehow I left without those. When I got to my car, I didn't have them. So I was like, okay, I think I can get away with my shoes. Yeah, I didn't notice. I found a white backpack. You needed a backpack? Well, I used a backpack instead of a purse. Oh, okay. Okay, I found a white long sleeve shirt that I will actually use. And then everything else probably will never use again. The commitment to this event. Yeah. And to our investigations. That brings the pocket trader value up right there. So, all right. So we made it to the Cafe Gratitude in Beverly Hills. Yes. And this one's actually called Gratitude Kitchen and Bar. Oh, okay. But Cafe Gratitude is the chain. And there's at least one other Cafe Gratitude in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's one up in Santa Cruz. I ate it not too long ago when I was visiting in my hometown. There's one in San Francisco as well. Yeah, that was the original. Yep. I was reading all up on Cafe Gratitude today, Mm. and I think the first one was 15 years ago. So the thing that really stands out about Cafe Gratitude is that when you go to order there, the menu is all phrased in terms of I am dot, 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 and then you order your meal by saying I am excited. Yeah, it's never I am hungry. It's I am peacefulness. I am love. I am... Oh, are they always nouns? No, no, sometimes they're... Okay, adjectives. I am playful, I am magical, I am trusting, I am purity. Now I'm just making stuff up. That's not (laughs) on there. But, well, you're supposed to say that to the waiter. I'm sure many people are like, I'll have the purity. Right, right, for sure. And then they also ask you a question of the day when they come to your table. Oh, and now I'm trying to think if I got that the last time I went to one. Yeah, they usually come around. Sometimes they'll say, would you like the question of the day? Ah. But some people Well, there's only one answer it. to that. Well, apparently some people <laughs> no, say no. thank you. <laughs> no, apparently some people do say no. Really? I yeah. guess that was the question of the day. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so they have a very sort of hippie vibe. Was it like uh, who hit the home run at the end of the 1979 <laughs> World you Series? You went a pie. <laughs> no. The only one I remember, I once went with our buddy Roger Nygaard, and they came by and asked us, what makes you happy? And Roger immediately said, that's easy, me. So <laughs> I just remember that one. <laughs> All right. But so Cafe Gratitude is also kind of famous for having ties to Landmark Forum. The mm -hmm. people who started it, Matthew and Terses, Inglehart, they are big proponents of Landmark. I don't think they're official representatives or anything like that. And but. we know all of you have encouraged us to do Landmark Hold yeah. your horses. I don't think it'll happen. They have quite a gnarly NDA. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, everybody. But this will be your landmark episode because, boy, did I learn about it today. Okay. I'm excited to hear. So we went to 419 North Cannon Drive in Beverly Hills. Maybe you've heard of it. Very shishy. It. it was very hard to find. Was I it? found it very hard to find. Okay. Did it's you always, not? It's just hard to park. I ended up doing yeah. the valet thing. Yep. $18 oh, for, for valet. for God's sake. Yeah. Come on. This is all already just too much money. Because it's Beverly Hills. Uh-huh. That's correct. Oh, also about the original restaurant, there's that famous scene in Annie Hall where- Oh, yes. <laughs> That's Allen an important thing to mention about yeah. the source. Right. The original source restaurant. So in Annie Hall, Woody Allen and Diane Keaton are eating at this restaurant and, you know, they can only order like bean sprouts and wheat curd or something like that. Something very silly and mocking California's health oh, craze. Oh, yeah. I think uh, Woody Allen ordered was it alfalfa sprouts and yeast? mashed yeast. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And that scene is actually filmed at the Source Family yeah. Restaurant. So yeah. yeah, it was the it was the hip place to be. It was healthy food, vegetarian, vegan. Vegan actually. at first, yeah. yeah. And then uh, at some point, I think they gave in and started including dairy products. Yep, they caved. Oh, they caved. Um, Which is interesting because the owners of Cafe Gratitude caved even more. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you're going to tell me more about this. You look like yeah. you've got info. <laughs> So they own this chain of vegan restaurants, obviously have a big vegan clientele. And at some point, they decided that they were going to start slaughtering animals on their farm. And it, you know, alienated a lot of their base. Oh, yes. Okay. I do yeah. remember hearing it about this. It was a this. whole thing. Well, as many of you have written into us about, there are a lot of cults and high pressure groups that have restaurants. That seems to mm -hmm. be a very common way to either get converts or to make money. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like I've noticed that, you know, how often a, a church will have a school attached to it or a preschool, mm -hmm. you know, it's just sort of like, oh, here's sort of the business end. And then, you know, it kind of supports this whole other thing. Yeah. I'm trying to think to me, is that an earmark of like a high pressure group or just of a religious group? But I guess I can't think of any chill religious restaurants. <laughs> but it's something we've heard about a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of the things on our list are kind of these combination religious groups slash restaurants. That's yeah, true. And of course, it's easy to make a connection with spirituality and eating. And a lot of them, bless their hearts, have vegetarian and vegan food. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's ever any concern that like the food will somehow be tainted. I don't know oh, why yeah. you would want to do that anyway. You know, if you're trying sure. to win converts, you're not going to be like, you might get salmonella here. I probably wouldn't go to Osho's salad but, bar. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We do think, of course, of that uh, famous incident with the Rajneesh Param, which is interesting because as I was reading a few of the articles about the Source family, one of the pictures showed all of these congregants together in white robes 
and one person wearing the kind of red and burgundy or you know, ah. the, the colors of Rajneesh Param. Sheila. I wondered if it was her or someone else from that group who just happened to be hanging with the Source family. But- and was just like, you guys, white sucks for clothes. <laughs> as I recall, I think they started becoming active as the Source Somewhere around like 72, then they will get into a bit later, but they left California in 75. To go to Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, yeah, there's there's more to say. We'll get there. So we got there to the Source Family pop-up restaurant. Let's see. The first thing that happened is we were kind of ushered into this cocktail area where you could get cocktails or tea. Yeah. And it's interesting. So you show up at this kind of posh bar on a posh street and there's a bunch of people wearing white and you don't know anybody and you don't know who's who. So you see a bunch of people and there's some people in their 70s and you think, okay, these might actually be the source family members because they right. would have been you know, much younger in, in the 70s. And I started hanging around people just having conversations just to hear what was going on. And there was one woman who was kind of holding court and there were two men listening to her. So I just sort of eavesdropped and I'd already bought my uh, mule cocktail from the bar, which was quite good. Yeah, I had a good one too. Yeah. I like yeah. it. What, what do they put in there? Turmeric? Or? There was turmeric in it. And I usually don't want turmeric in my drink, but really good in there. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, so I was sitting there listening and after a while asked her if, if she was in the source and she said, oh no, but my husband was slash is, she referred to him as Cecil, but then she said, well, he was known as Explosion. Oh, nice. So this is something you'll find in the source is that everybody was kind of branded with a new name. It seemed like most people had the last name Aquarian. Right. And then they would have some wild first name like Electricity or Explosion. I'm trying to decide if I like Explosion or Cecil more. Cecil is a lot calmer. Yeah, and he's got both options. So he's winning the name game. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it was interesting. She talked about it being the first vegan restaurant. Oh, yeah. You kept saying it that way <laughs> the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah, I That's guess fun. early on, people were trying to d- figure out, will you say vegan? You say vegan. Sure. And uh, that Are you just from the planet Vega? I don't know. She'll be like the people in 20 years still saying Jif. Um, so I caught a glimpse of you. Yeah. Said hello. Hey. Well, no, you said, hey, you got to get one of these mules. Yeah. So we both had those. And yeah, we were just milling about for a while. But it's this kind of weird sensation of, again, just not knowing kind of who's like us, just sort of mm-hmm. there to, to. This is new for you. Right. Too. And uh, so, yeah, just a lot of prodding conversations where you're trying to get a sense of who people are. But eventually they do sort of call us in over the loudspeaker and say, OK, time to come get your seats. Yeah. There's already sort of little crowds around those people in their late 60s, early 70s. And so you don't want to force your way in like, I don't know who you are, but I want to be close to this person because <laughs> right. I think they might be in the source. So we ended up at a table of about maybe eight or nine, ten younger folk. Mm-hmm. We had a good seat to uh, see all the proceedings. And there was one empty seat. Saved for Elijah. <laughs> I guess so. And, you know, I was thinking as we were sitting there, it really does make sense. This is... Even though it is not in the spirit of the low-cost vegetarian food, that's for sure. It is in the original spirit of the Source restaurant where they had painted on the wall a quote that said, Food should be selected with confidence, eaten with pleasure, and digested with ease. It's just like 
totally the same vibe of Cafe Gratitude, mm. where there's words on the walls and things to ponder as you eat. And food's not just about sustenance. No, no, we're going to talk about love and energy as we eat this. It was cool. They had recaptured certain elements of the original group and they had little flyers around there was one that had a picture of father yod surrounded by dozens of people most of them in white all of them looking very hippie-ish and he's looking like moses he's looking Mm -hmm. like you know charlton heston playing moses (laughs) with this totally big bushy beard he's carrying a staff okay yeah it it would be hard to be more moses like than yeah that seems intentional and so it says father yod yahowah and the source family. So yeah, Yahowah, I think was his name of like, that is the real name of God, if I recall, and what right. they called their band. Right, the Yahowah 13. Right, they produced music. I, I Of course, immediately after we watched the documentary, I bought three albums. And Any I started, good? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yes, but also no. Of course, Kara immediately is like, what is this stuff? Why must you do this to me and play this stuff? But it was like purposefully they would go offbeat and just be crazy and weird and wild. venues and even high schools and you think the high schools would be like maybe we shouldn't have this group sure playing for our kids and like recruiting them but um <laughs> like kinda, a jam band kind of thing yeah it's like you're right it does feel like some people messing around inside of a studio or garage and uh, just trying to shake things up and do things weird and yeah, you weren't okay. expecting this and it was kind of the Fireman. time of experimentation of you know little post beatles there then, oh, goodness, uh, some things would just be kind of, uh, well, racist. Uh, oh. Yeah, wait, let me play one okay. track for you. I didn't expect that. See what you think of this. Okay. Many young people all over the world chanting Nam Yoho Rengekyo. So I start chanting Nam Yoho Rengekyo to the Gohansen. Is this and a white person? Oh, like boy. After 90 days, I'm not chanting for material. I'm not chanting for physical. I'm only chanting for spiritual You're right, that's racist. Whoops a doodle. Uh but some Yikes. of it's uh some of it's pretty fun. Oh yeah, there was this one track, uh Father Yo, the the guy's just kinda like whispering into the the microphone. Yeah, you were stolen. You were very young, you know. So they let me in. <laughs> to get out of your life. Oh, 
cool. Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, I dig it. And there's this weird beat. You might like Charles Manson's music. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a little bit. Some of it's kind of fun. It's very much in uh, okay. lockstep with this kind of thing. Oh, okay. But in the then doc- I know the type. In the documentary, they even had Billy Corgan, the Smashing Pumpkins yeah. front man, my, you know, my favorite band. You're the secular band, Smashing Pumpkins. T- talking about the influence of this band. And I thought, oh, you know what? Wow. It makes a little sense. Some of their weirder, longer stuff totally does feel like a response to this. Do you remember calling Smashing Pumpkins a secular band? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was when we did Go Fact Yourself and Ross was just describing Smashing Pumpkins and <laughs> just so naturally tossed off that they were a secular band. <laughs> you know, I spent like a year and a half listening to almost nothing but K-Love Radio. <laughs> And uh, so it was a real big deal for me to listen on the side to the Smashing Pumpkins, Garbage, Radiohead, sure, Oasis. And Twenty years later, you're still calling it a secular Sec- band. Secular bands, yeah. You know, <laughs> you can take the boy out of the church. <laughs> so the menus at this event said our aim to purify the body, refine the emotions, elevate the mind, and liberate the soul, so that we can be of service to humanity. And that was attributed to Father Yod. Well, that. Sounds nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was I was looking at this poster and I got distracted by the music. He looks in this photo entirely like Gandalf. Gandalf. <gasps> Cultural osmosis has worked on me. Now Carrie's got her <laughs> arms up in the same triumphant pose. She, I knew a pop culture reference. Carrie has arrived. She correctly recognized that Father Yod looks very much like Gandalf in this other photo. What a character, this guy. But now I will name some Lord of the Rings characters. Do it. Bilbo Baggins. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Okay. He found the ring in the cave. Okay. Is he the Hobbit? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Either Frodo or Frollo. One of them's from Hunchback of Notre Dame. (laughs) Uh, Frollo's from Hunchback. But yeah, Frodo is Bilbo's nephew. Is that the handsome one, Elijah Wood? Yeah. Okay. Um, Sam. Yeah, Samwise Gamgee. Okay. Very good. But okay. he's called Sam, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, good. you see his red hair? They kind of all do. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Harry Potter now. <laughs> Is there a That's red... Ronald Weasley. Okay. I guess. That's it. Those are all the characters hey, in Lord of the Rings. That's pretty good. Thank you. Pretty good. Are there any ladies in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. Galadriel of Lorien. Of Lorien. Um, oh, she's going to prison for that at college admission scandal. Wait, she was played by Kate Blanchett. Uh, no, the Loch Lorien sounds like oh. Lori Laughlin. <laughs> oh, I oh, okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, all right. I see what you did there. There's Eowyn. There's Arwen. Yeah, there's not I'm many good. women. <laughs> okay. There's Rosie. Sam has Rosie. Well, okay, back to this dinner we were at. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, the Source family. Ryland Englehart got on the mic, and Ryland is the son of Matthew and Terse's Englehart, who, again, founded Cafe Gratitude. Mm -hmm. He's a co-owner at this point, and he's a young guy. He's probably in his late 30s. Sounds about right. Very fit, trim, very enthusiastic, and the guy you would think of would run a Cafe Gratitude. Mm-hmm. A sort of mix of like hippie, but also like you imagine he gets up at 4 a.m. and he definitely has stocks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> you know, got to check on his stocks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's kind of a unique niche of Cafe Gratitude. Their vibe is like we're going to combine spirituality and a kind of, I don't know, very American go getterism. 
Yeah, it's a weird combination. So Rylan says he's the host of this celebration, and this is a tribute dinner to the Source family and to their restaurant. And then he says rhetorically, and how did this come to be? And, and so Carrie stood up and she yelled exactly how it all came to be. <laughs> I knew the answer. <laughs> no, that's not true. So he said, Cafe Gratitude is a family operation that started 15 years ago. What, what? I remembered that correctly. Huh? Hey. Um, and he said, the inception was we asked ourselves, how do we create a place where people can come and be awakened to the presence of love and gratitude and nourishment? We wanted food and human connections. All right. So they started in San Francisco, and he considers Cafe Gratitude a school of transformation. Now, to remind you, this is a restaurant. Let's pull back a little bit. Yeah, you're ordering food. You're eating that food. You're paying for that food, you're, and then you're leaving. Yeah. Is you're that a, on your lunch hour. Is that a school of transformation? <laughs> but it does sound like working there is super intense, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. And I remember he referred to... The source as the cult classic. So he'd already, Cute. yeah, yeah, he'd Love already it. kind of introduced that. He said he wanted everyone to be able to come to Cafe Gratitude and receive a seed of recognition that your life is a picture of your mind. Mm -hmm. uh, that that sounds like a Deepak Chopraism. <laughs> totally. Your life is a picture of your mind. No, that doesn't parse as anything. But also, you're going to come in and receive a seed of the recognition that your life is a picture of your mind. <laughs> ah, that's worse. <laughs> so I know what he was getting at because I read his parents' book, which is called Sacred Commerce Business as a Path of Awakening. Whoa. Maybe the grossest book I have read for this show. Sacred Commerce. Okay. Ugh. Already hate it with the title. But they do talk about that whole idea of like, if you believe you're in abundance, you are in abundance. And your state of mind is everything and that sort of thing. I'm just trying to think of like uh, other words that would go less well with sacred, like sacred automation. <laughs> sacred defecation. <laughs> sacred evil? That almost sounds too right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but they're into that whole idea of like, whatever you think you create, law of attraction kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading this book, I kept thinking like, well, yes, your mind can stand in the way of you. That's absolutely true. But also, sometimes it's not your mind. Sometimes that's not the problem. Sometimes there's just like no food because you live in a country that's impoverished. Right. Then your mind isn't the problem. Yeah, and... <sighs> I feel like it always then becomes our duty to point out all of these counterexamples. Right. They're obviously missing. Yeah, pushing out of their minds for the moment for this convenient, very first world consideration of the world and how things come together in your right. favor. Which is fine to think about, but like at least acknowledge that that's not universal. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So Ugh. people like us don't have to be like, children are starving in Africa. <laughs> right. Let me interrupt your weird talk. So he said, you can be in many places in this moment, but if we put attention on gratitude, we feel an overwhelming fullness. Yeah, all right. So then he said that actually when he was moving from San Francisco to L.A., someone gave him the Source Family archival book. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. And he said he was completely mesmerized by it. And he thought, wow, Cafe Gratitude really could be the second coming of the Source Family, but in a sincere and playful way. All right. Yeah. He didn't just want to come and serve food. He was going to create spaces where people feel love and gratitude. 
And then he met Isis Aquarian. So Yes. So she is a former member of the Source family. I think she like basically considers herself a current member. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah, she's keeping the flame alive. Yeah. Uh, still very much obviously cares about Father Yod. I believe she was one of his partners. He had, well, at the end, quite a few. That's part of the story is that he started originally with one much younger wife that mm. he married as Jim Baker still. Mm. And then he became Father Yod. And over the years, he finally you know, started adding additional women to his collection. And, and <laughs> good for her. She stood up and was very upset about this and very publicly oh. disagreed with him oh, good. about it. So that was Robin, his legal wife. Uh, but then Isis, one of the later 13 wives that we're talking about, she came up and she gave a little bit of an introduction. She said that this evening was cosmically planned. Ah, Yeah. Yeah, and she had actually helped plan it. I guess the chef at Cafe Gratitude had said he'd always wanted to do a pop-up dinner tribute to the Source family. Mm -hmm. And so this all just sort of like came together. It's just kismet. She's got long Hair, uh, dark with, but you know, with some gray in it, and kind of tied back in a braid behind her, very tan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you just looked at her, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't guess like her past. Yeah, you know, just looks like a normal person you'd see at the supermarket. For sure. So she said that uh, Ryland and Mario, the chef at Cafe Gratitude, had called her and said they wanted to do this. And, oh, of course, they said yes. And then she said, you know, the 60s and the 70s, I call them a crossover time in the U.S. There was this shift in energy. And the feeling tonight anchored in this room is that this night is going to take on a life of its own. Okay. So does that mean there's another shift coming? It felt to me like the source is restarting tonight. Like we are all now in this new group. Is like that's the energy that was coming at me anyway. Oh wow! Okay, maybe that was this, just my. This inference. is an important moment. Right, the start of something big. And it was. I've never seen those people again. Yeah, that's always something to consider. That you know they were all waiting for the age of Aquarius, and supposedly mm -hmm. it came. And so you wonder. In 2012, I think. Oh yeah, depending on who you talk to, right? Yeah, maybe, it, but uh, you have to ask. Well, what's different? Right. And if you can't really see what's different and you have to think about it, then maybe it's not that different. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, behind all of them, uh, they had a projector playing maybe clips from the film or at least a collection of clips. And there had been audio earlier. And uh, it was funny. It's, at some point, like the noise from that background playing was conflicting with one of the speakers or disturbing him. He couldn't really concentrate with that tiny uh, White sound noise. Soundtrack coming right from the projector nearby. So they paused it and it just perfectly paused on this close up of Father Yoda. Oh, that's right. With, yeah. You know, that you can see like really close up his eyes. Teal swan eyes. <laughs> intensely staring at you. And he has arresting eyes. And then just the a big unruly eyebrows bushing out and mm -hmm. the beard bushing out. And so it's just staring down at all of us. Pause. <laughs> and so we spent a lot of the night just with this intense <laughs> stare from Father Yoda. And 30 people bring out their cell phones. R projected right above a sign saying grateful spelled out in cursive with flowers. So <laughs> it's just, it was a weird feeling, but like this is so appropriate. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Room filled with people dressed in white. Oh, except we haven't mentioned there was one man who came in wearing all black. Oh, that's right. Cheers to him. <laughs> and we're like, you go. Yeah. You go, buddy. Eventually he took off his jacket and he had white underneath. Oh, did he? Okay. 
So also Isis did tell us she was going to take questions at the end. So think of those. Mm-hmm. And then it was time to start eating. Yum, so yum. Yeah, we got to bless the food first. So we did that. So everything was vegan. And the first course, I think, was a nut ricotta mm-hmm. and some kind of fruit. Yeah, persimmon and kumquats. Oh, ah, okay. They called it sunchoke. Oh, man, it was really good. Yeah, it was nice. And then this guy sitting across from us. Mm-hmm who apparently we can use his real name. What's his name? Yeah, Phil Warren. Phil Warren. We'll call him Phil because that's his name. (laughs) Now, if we had needed to change it, we would have sat here and gone, okay, Phil makes me think of filling up, so we'll call him empty. No, that doesn't make sense. Okay, we'll Uh, start thinking of famous Phil. Yeah, okay, well, if, if your glass is half full, then you're an optimist, optimist prime, prime number, primo. I had a friend named Jeff who went by primo. Jeff, we'll call him Jeff. Jeff, perfect. Yep. That's how this show operates. But no, he's Phil. So he had made a commitment to have an adventure every day. Every day. Yeah, that's that's a tall order. Some of them have to get small, but we heard mostly the big ones. So he had wrestled alligators mm-hmm. at a geothermal hot spring in southern Colorado. And he was <laughs> about that. He's like, it does suck every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to know now, uh, he told me about a vice piece about uh, these people in Texas who every year that there's this surplus of snakes and they'll go out and they'll harvest the snakes and they have like a beauty pageant that gets tied into cutting up snakes. It's very sad. Oh, no. And and so there's one scene where they cut up a snake. And in Texas? In Texas. Yeah. There's a bunch of these rattlers and they have the heart of the snake. Ah. Uh. Freshly cut, and they offer it to him, and you can see him in the footage. <laughs> so there, there he is having his ad- adventure of the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> he takes it and eats it. Oh, you eat it. Yeah. yeah. Fresh heart from a snake. Okay. Well, that's not vegan. I was just reading a, an article about uh, how animals that can be seen as even pests or overly pervasive, you know, you think of the carrier pigeon or the mm-hmm. moa, you know. Like, beautiful rock dove, and, yes. An animal that's everywhere and you think, oh, they could never go extinct. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They can. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as everybody right. thinks like, oh, you know what? It's fair game. You can shoot as many of them as you mm-hmm. need to. Uh, they can go away if you keep doing that and upset the uh, the balance. Yeah. So Also, pigeons are beautiful. I worry about those snakes. Yeah, makes sense. So Phil, he asked our names and we said Ross and Carrie. Yeah. And yeah, maybe not in that order, but you know, we were we were introducing all of ourselves around mm-hmm. the table and trying to remember everybody's name. Everyone seemed really cool. Phil and the guy next to him, uh, both of them seemed really knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about all these kind of esoteric things, stuff you might find in Atlas Obscura, and mm-hmm. you know, they know about them or we know about them. So we're you know, having great conversation, but he keeps looking at this guy to your right yeah. and saying like, I know you from somewhere. Where have we met? I'm going to figure this out. And so then he would roll through his list of strange things he'd done in the last few years. And every now and then we'd say, oh, we, uh, yeah, I went to we that. We did that. Yeah. Or Carrie would say like, oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah. And so he'd say, okay, but then he'd turn back to that guy. But we... Why do I know you? (laughs) Was it the UFO convention? Oh, Oh, yes. We we went to that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, contact in the desert. Yeah, Yeah, we we, we went to that. (laughs) So finally, he was like, well, gosh, everything I bring up, you guys have been to. So yeah, then the conversation would reroute. So this became a running gag of the night, really. Yeah, we had done all the things. So then I started feeling allergic. 
Oh, no, that's Remember? right. Yeah, right yeah. off the bat. Yeah, my tongue started swelling up, started itching, and I was like, God dang it. I can't eat my gels of this. So here's an update about my allergies. Because okay. remember, I got that blood test. Yes. It said I wasn't allergic to nuts. And you're like, what's so going on? I was like, on? okay. So I started eating nuts. And sometimes it was fine. And then other times it wasn't fine. And I was like, what the hell? Someone on Twitter suggested that I might have something called oral allergy syndrome, which is basically where you're allergic to certain types of pollens. And your body huh. mistakes similar proteins in raw fruits and nuts as those pollens. They're okay. just similar enough that it gets in your mouth. Your mouth's like, hang on. I think you're eating cotton or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It has a reaction, but kind of by the time it goes through your system, it's like, oh, wait, you know what? I think that was apricot. So, um, Wild. So I went to Kaiser and I said, hey, I think I might have this thing called oral allergy syndrome. And they said, great. The only way to find out is to shoot you up with everything. And if you don't react... <laughs> Um, but you're still reacting in your mouth. You have all oral allergy syndrome. Okay. So I got a million shots, didn't react to any of them. I have oral allergy syndrome. Hey, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, narrowed that one down. Yep. Knowing is half the battle. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't eat much of the rest of my $75 dinner. Oh, yeah. I think you gave me the rest of your first course or what was it something I else everything around i Aww. you ate some of that like rice salad thing and yeah other I, people ate my dessert i was just giving it to everybody oh yeah i even got to finish off your third course the mushroom soup uh, soup that oh, was that was good amazing yeah i think you were just trying to save room because they were serving five oh, no. courses no i was just i would take a bite of it and be like i can't do this oh, it was that, all very nutty i love that mushroom soup yeah so the the second course was a artichoke chowder mm. oh that was good too <laughs> um the third course was that mushroom soup there and was a delicata squash and roasted broccolini at some point probably my least favorite thing was that crispy rice salad oh, okay it was weird it had the consistency of popcorn it tasted like popcorn that was very strange yeah though it looked like rice and then they had a Catalan cheesecake was the fifth course. Okay. So yeah, good sized meal. And then I got to eat some of Carrie's food. And it was the cheesecake that Phil across from us uh, had a reaction to. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah. And he said, oh, shoot. Okay. I'm allergic to this. So he had to stop. But Carrie, enough about food. Yes. Let's go back to what we were wearing. Oh, right. So, All white. So yeah. So you had you had white shirt and backpack. Did you have a bra? I had a bra on, but I couldn't tell you if the bra was white. I just don't remember, Ross. I don't remember. Okay. Was well, your bra white? It was not. I was not wearing a white bra. I can tell okay. you that. Okay. Well, if you had to choose a bra, mm -hmm. yeah, what would you recommend? Oh, I would I would get a third love bra. Oh, yeah. If I yeah. were in the market for a bra? Come on. I've heard about them. Did you know that breast shape matters when finding a good fit? In about 60 seconds, Third Love's Fit Finder quiz helps you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. That's so weird that you bring that up because Ono, Ross, and Carrie is actually supported in part by Third Love, Ross. Are they now? Yeah, and they use the measurements of millions of people to design bras in over 80 sizes with all-day comfort and support. And their bras feature straps designed not to slip. Oh, it's the best. Tagless labels. Good. So I don't have to cut those off of my wife's bra. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> you know, because those labels, they don't want to stay in place. They want to stick up. It's true. They want to stick down. That's true. And lightweight memory foam cups. And every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, which you will, 
you will. But you can return it and third level wash it and donate it to someone in need. So smart. So smart. I really like my third love bra. Oh, and fantastic. I probably am going to buy another. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. You heard it here. Well, Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash oh no right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash oh no for 15% off today. You should do that. Anyway, back to my allergies. Yeah. So were you now uncomfortable the whole meal? Yes, I was. Oh. (laughs) But next came a speaker up to the front, and this guy's name was Philip. I don't think I caught his last name. Did you? Yes. uh, Thankfully, they had written this really nice um, program of the food you were going to get and the various uh, activities. And so his last name was Deslip. So Philip Deslip. Ooh, Philip Deslip. I I like it. I I hope I'm saying that right. D-E-S-L-I-P-P-E. But he's a professor of religion at... Uh, UCSB, Santa Barbara. Nice. He came up and uh, they said it was going to be a 10-minute talk. I think it was more like, I don't know, 16 minutes or something. But I loved it. He was kind of contextualizing the Source family within sort of the broader religious landscape of America and how LA sort of became the center of religion for decades. Whereas originally he said there had been kind of previous Hot spots. You had Boston, Boston. right? So in Boston, you had uh, Mary Baker Eddy, mm-hmm. the founder and, and discoverer, yes, of Christian Science. And then you had Chicago with mm-hmm. Madame Blavatsky and Theosophy, and you know all these mm-hmm. other ideas. And then you had L.A. and the Foursquare Church, and all of these groups like you know, Charles Manson, and and of course Father Yod and the Source family. And then he was mentioning a lot of other groups. He mentioned Paramahansa Yogananda, mm-hmm. who apparently because he kept mentioning food connections, Yogananda, I guess, introduced the mushroom burger. Oh, okay. Uh, which Used makes me. me like him even better. Mm, all right. And he also- You like those big like portobello mushrooms? Burgers? I'll do it. I'll okay. do it. All right. I won't seek it out, but it uh, okay. can be done very well. Mm-hmm. He also mentioned a figure called Krishna Venta. So I leaned over to you and I said, oh, oh I've heard of him. I, he had a group up in uh, the Oxnard area, uh, Simi Valley, that my- stepmother lived very close to growing up so she Mm. remembered hearing about this community out there and the guy with the big beard Mm. and the long hair and wkfl for wisdom knowledge faith and love something like Mm. that Mm -hmm. and uh sounds right uh, some disgruntled i think former members uh planted a bomb and he died oh my god in the uh, explosion yeah pretty wild stuff so I, when I nodded knowingly at that, Phil sitting across from us was very interested. So after the talk, he's like, oh, wait, what was that one? Anyway, so yeah, the other Phil, the, the speaker. We were really getting our Phil. Yeah, he was just giving all this great information. It was really well written, too. And I was just thinking like, oh, I hope this is published somewhere. I, <laughs> I feel like I need to reach out to him and ask him like, hey, that talk you gave, can I you got a copy of that? I'm sure he'd be delighted. Yeah, it was a lot of great history. And, you know, what we do with this podcast really owes so much gratitude to the religious movements in Los Angeles. You know, oh, definitely. This is such a hot spot of almost every belief we have here available. So he's talking about all the factors of celebrity and climate and all these other things that kind of contributed to creating this atmosphere. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And he mentioned that some of the earliest vegetarian restaurants were in LA and actually the first raw vegan food restaurant 
in the U.S., was in L.A. in the 70s. And then he said he met Isis somewhere. And I, I didn't quite understand where he met her. He had a really clever way that he had ingratiated himself with Isis. He oh, said, okay. He said, if you ever want to get close to somebody, offer to photograph them. Oh, <laughs> touche. Because most people are like, sure, I'll yeah. take some nice photographs. And so that's what he did. And they got to know each other and she started nice. sharing stories with him and confiding in him. Yeah, it was it was an awesome talk. Lots of great context. Well written. I highly recommend this talk that you have no access to. <laughs> One thing that he said that I thought was really cute is he asked Isis, oh, and a lot of the footage, you're all talking over each other. Doesn't that annoy you? And she said, oh, well, yeah. we're, we were a real family. Like. And she said every family's a little dysfunctional. And people uh, clap for that. Yeah, I, and I like that too. Yeah. Anytime you get a group of people together, the ideal group with the ideal ideals and, you know, mm -hmm. live the perfect life. But you're you're always just going to have, you know, humanity stepping in. You've got oh, your yeah. oddballs, you got your weirdos, you've got your people going through things. And, you know, it's just going to veer off course. And it says to me that that's not too high control of a group because mm -hmm. like the most you can control somebody is by getting in their head so they control themselves and they're silent all the time and when they see the leader they don't say anything because they want to see what he says and then respond to that you know mm -hmm. that's the most control you can have but the when someone feels like they can just talk and yeah. express themselves it's true it's a good sign though certainly it does sound like there were elements of that control mm -hmm. when father yeah. yod was there and in control yeah but uh yeah so that was it was pretty fantastic i enjoyed that he said that isis had donated a bunch of her materials from the source family to uc santa barbara oh okay and that this is really unusual the amount of documentation she had done because she was basically the source family archivist that like no other groups have this kind of representation he was very impressed and oh, yeah. um, he said you know the 1970s was the height of this kind of communal living there were almost 1400 communes at the same time as the source family wow. and this is what I study and we never have this much photography uh, letters you know all of these original sources you might so say she's a primary source <laughs> exactly so we all clapped and wooed for Isis and then uh, he said they're keeping them in the UCSB archives. So you can go and see them. And they're uh, digitizing them, too. Ooh. Okay. That sounds like that could be a fun field trip. Yeah. So then we get Ryland again. Mm -hmm. Our old buddy Ryland. What's he going to say? And not much, but he'll take a long time doing it. <laughs> uh, but he was mainly introducing our meditation coming up. Yeah. And so uh, we had Peter Opperman coming up to lead us in a meditation on the philosophy of I am. And so as you breathe in, you breathe in. I am. It was just hard to say while you're breathing in. And then you breathe out something like courageous. Beautiful. And then repeat. And we did that for quite a while, which yeah. is always nice. Yeah. Always nice to do a breathing exercise. It always feels really good to hold my breath. Oh, yeah? That in is good, but the holding, ugh. So good. So when people say don't hold your breath. I'm really, like, fuck you. I'm yeah, going to hold my breath on Robbing night. me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest part of holotropic breathing to me is you have to eliminate that in between breath. Oh, yeah. So absolutely. unsatisfying. Hmm. Yeah. So Peter Opperman is a meditation teacher and I guess a good friend of Ryland's as well. And Ryland said... That one of the things that connects Cafe Gratitude and the Source family is this whole philosophy of I am. So that's why we were going to do that meditation. And the meditation finished on, uh, 
we are hungry. That's very cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good way to finish that. And that's when we got your favorite chowder. Oh, good chowder. Man, yeah, all this food is great. I have in my notes here that you noted that you sleep next to a haunted doll at this point in the conversation. <laughs> oh, well, I know that uh, Phil across from us uh, was talking about uh, Dybbuk boxes and we were Oh, yeah, chatting. what is that? Uh, there's just like haunted dolls on eBay. There's this original story of this haunted box, kind of a, a tiny curio that held items, but it had been sealed with wax. And it was mm. originally the person who owned it. It had been cursed and like all of her family had died. And yet somehow she had a granddaughter and the granddaughter sold it in a garage sale and someone got it. And all these okay. t- terrible things happened to them. And, you know, it's just like when we were reading the haunted doll descriptions, mm-hmm. there had been this really elaborate right. storytelling that you're really paying for. So now you can buy all these other Dybbuk boxes, but there's this original one. And so I was telling Phil about how a friend of mine and a fan of the show, Kenny Biddle, had uh-huh. done a really great write-up uh, for Skeptical Inquirer about the Dybbuk box. So I was recommending that, and I think I mentioned that, yeah, I still have one of my haunted dolls that sleeps next to me every night. <laughs> I don't even think about it, you know. It's, yeah. It's, she sits next to Frodo the bear, actually. Nice. And some of my other stuffed animals that are next to the bed. My only haunted doll, because I think I gave mine away at a live show. I had two and I gave one away at a live show. The yeah. other one I left in Boston under a monument. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right after the amazing mushroom soup. Uh, we had on the menu CBD oil. Yes. So this is an extract from cannabis that does not have the psychoactive substances. No THC. So there's a lot of products sold. We could do a whole episode just talking about CBD and Mm -hmm. the various things that it's supposed to be able to do. And uh, Sawbones has a great episode about it. Oh, excellent. Hop over there. One, two, one, two, three, five. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine. Because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday, right here on MaximumFun.org, as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Good show. So they were passing around their, you know, primo, high-level quality (laughs) CBD oil. It's so funny, though. Like, people act like, yeah, CBD, this is so exciting. We're being naughty. And it's like... I mean, you know, you can make alcohol out of a potato. We don't get excited when you pass around a potato. <laughs> yeah, a fair point. Uh, so, yeah, the, it's a tiny little bottle with a stopper in the top. Mm-hmm. And it says on the back that it's THC free, mm-hmm. but it's supercharged oh, damn. CBD. On the front, it says inner peace. And Ooh. Big claim. Yeah. And so we were supposed to take, how many drops was it? Like five drops? Certain number Something of drops like that. on our tongues. So I'd never taken CBD oil before, so I didn't know quite what to expect. It was sort of like a milky white. Oh, that's right. It was white, which is weird. I've never seen that. Very strange. And it was a little bitter, Mm. just a tiny bit, Mm. Uh, but otherwise fine. And just kind of waiting to see what it would do to me. Yeah. I think it was supposed to give us like a deep sense of calm. Yeah. The 
claim around CBD is that it's the calming agent. Okay. Yeah. And I think some people also say that it's pain relieving, though I think that is less supported by the evidence. Okay. Interesting. I don't know if I felt noticeably calmer afterward. Yeah. I don't think I did. So I mostly felt itchy. Oh, right. <laughs> but this point, I also texted Matthew and was like, oh, Matthew, thank you so much. You would hate this. You would hate it so much. Uh, we're taking CBD. We're talking about love. We're about to do a minute of laughter yoga. What does he have against love? <laughs> That's right. Laughter yoga. Yes. So uh, many of you may remember our investigation. One of our favorites. Yeah. When people ask us. All right, but what things do you think are actually beneficial or, or happen to work out or you would recommend to people? Laughter yoga. Yeah. It's a great idea. You laughter get together yoga. with a bunch of adults, you act silly, you laugh. It's so bizarre you and great. fake it until you're all laughing <laughs> sincerely because it's just so weird yep. what you're doing. And so, yeah, they instigated just a minute of laughter yoga. Yep. We did it. We laughed the whole we room. We laughed until it was sincere laughing. So then Isis got back up and she was ready for some questions. Yeah. And uh, as she was standing up there, you could see explosion and also one of the other older gentlemen. I think it might have been electricity. Mm. Both of them looking very much like Gandalf the White. Long okay. white robe, long white beard. They were kind of rocking the Father Yod look. Nice. Someone's got to do it. But yeah, she took questions from the audience. Now, maybe we should mention Father Yod is not around anymore. Oh, right. Oh, yes. So This is a bit of a spoiler for the documentary. Oh, it's totally a spoiler for the documentary. So if you're about to watch the documentary, I don't know, maybe skip forward 30 seconds or something like that. We mentioned in 1975 ish, I think he had to leave LA. There was starting to be mounting pressure. They had lived in Los Feliz for a while. Mm -hmm. They had to move up to a canyon. They were trying to like keep 200 people in this one house. It was madness. And this was all during the Charles Manson stuff was happening at the same time. Right. So then public sentiment was really starting to turn against these people like, oh, you're going to be the next one of these groups. Yeah. Thankfully, the source community never culminated in acts of violence or self-harm, though some of the things Father Yod was saying sure made it sound like they could have gone that direction. So they moved to Hawaii, got very similar treatment there. People didn't want him there either. Mm -hmm. And one day, Father Yod led his followers out, and he was going to try hang, hang, gliding? hang gliding for the first time. Why not? Let's do it. Let's jump off of a cliff. And uh, I, I think there was some element of like, I don't need to practice because I will float kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very confident and a few people were worried. But yeah, he jumps out there and he's flying beautifully. And then all of a sudden the wind just drops out from under him and he crashes and he's never down. practiced and he doesn't know what to do. And so he, he hits his back severely, I think breaks his spine or something yeah. along those lines where he realizes he's dying and yeah. he is and he does. Yeah, and it took like hours for him to die. And everyone's just standing there watching him. It's terrible because they recorded so much and you can hear audio in the documentary of him as they're all saying like, yeah. what do we do for you? How do we help you? Yeah. And uh, you can tell he's kind of irritable like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm dying I'm, now. Yeah, yeah. My back's broken. <laughs> I don't know. You can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, rough. Yeah, really rough. So now Isis takes questions, and they're 
mostly pretty tame questions, I'd say. Yeah, some people want to know about the free love aspect. Right. She kind of played that down a bit. It was really funny. She was like, yeah, we did believe in that, but like we didn't have orgies or anything. And then the two guys behind her go, well, it was one time. <laughs> She's and she like, what, well, was around. I She's not like, invited? What? Oh, I didn't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so there was at least one orgy. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, a lot of the questions were sort of like, how would you encompass the philosophy of the Source family? You know, these sort of like big picture thematic mm -hmm. questions. And that that became sort of an invitation for her to sort of, I don't know, say a bunch of nice words. Oh, it was all love and freedom and mm -hmm. friends and forever and soft and glow you know it, it she had kind of a good answer for what was sort of the question that was percolating in my head which was the same thing i often ask people about the early church because they'll point to like oh that was the perfect time mm. and you know they had a fresh instruction from jesus they had the holy spirit and everything was great and so then the i think the natural question is well why did it go away you know, why right. is it, why is self-sustenance not one of the attributes of a perfect society? Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of my thing is like, okay, well, then if this was such a great way to live, why did it peter out right yeah, after yeah. his death? And I don't think it was put to her that way, but she had kind of an answer, which was just that, you know, this was a thing for its time and it was the right time and it was mm -hmm. a wonderful thing. And I'm so glad to have been there. Mm -hmm. And which I got to say, that's a good answer. And she said that now this time she feels a shift again. Like she feels like we're really on the precipice of something. Okay. So I had a question. Yeah. I think I got to ask the last question. Yeah. What um, was it? I said, who do you think Father Yod would vote for in the 2020 yeah. election? <laughs> yeah. And everyone kind of laughed but groaned. But, you know, it was like, oh, <laughs> this noise filled the room. And she didn't quite hear me. And so she said, what'd you say? And so I had to say it again. And everyone's like, oh, <laughs> um, And she said he wouldn't vote. He right. wouldn't want any part in it. He was never political. And he would be so disgusted by what's happening right now. Okay, and, wait a second. Yeah. If you're disgusted- You then should act on it. You have one thing you can do about it. Right. And that's vote. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's how I felt too. I As I was leaving, I was texting Drew and I was like, I think Father Yod sucks. <laughs> like, I mean, if that's if that's accurate, yeah. then that's what you're telling me is that he was all talk. Though if he's like many other group leaders of his ilk, I'm sure if he was there, he would hear her say that and be like, wait, no, I have a correction because I always have a correction. <laughs> oh, <sh> touche. <laughs> Turns touché. out actually I'm highly political. I'm running for president. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Also, she didn't elaborate on what would disgust him about this time, you know? I don't know that I was curious about. But she seemed like a sweetheart. What the meant. Yeah, I like her a lot. And she's uh, doing the Lord's work, keeping the group uh, preserved. And we'll see if this pans out. But I asked her if she wanted to be on the show, and she said yes. Sweet. So, oh, exciting. Fingers crossed. All right, let's hope. Well, let me tell you just a tiny bit about the connection between Cafe Gratitude and Landmark Forum. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Matthew and Tirsus Inglehart are big fans, and they actually encourage everyone who works at Cafe Gratitude to attend Landmark Forum 
They say that they'll right. pay 50% of their tuition. Landmark's pretty expensive, so yeah. that's a nice discount. Hefty but price tag. Still pretty expensive. You said they'd gotten in some hot water for this. Yeah. For mm. not just encouraging, but requiring their employees to attend Landmark Forum. Yes. Well, so th- I think they would say, no, it is just encouragement, but at least they were sued by maybe just one former employee who said, well, yes, they said it was suggested, but also that I wouldn't be promoted so unless I did it. We were kind of surprised when Ryland, while giving this talk, very openly just mentioned that, you know, we have all of our employees go to the Landmark Forum. And it's changed my life and it changes their life. And this comes up indirectly in their book, Sacred Commerce. They don't actually mention Landmark until the very last page when there's suggested links but the the whole book is just full of philosophy that I recognized as Scientology adjacent. And as many of our listeners know, Scientology influenced a bunch of these groups that we cover. And one of them was EST, which was the original Werner Erhard group that ended up dissolving. And then his followers bought all of the teachings and sort of repackaged them as Landmark Forum and evolved them somewhat. Okay, so the first thing I noticed in Sacred Commerce is that the foreword is written by someone named Megan Marie Breen. And boy, she comes out swinging. She's like, when I started working at Cafe Gratitude, I had multiple sclerosis, but it got healed and I am all better. Whoa. In three years, I've healed myself. Okay, so this book came out in 2008. So it's like, this should be look upable. Mm-hmm. So I found a recent interview with her from a couple of years ago talking about managing her multiple sclerosis outbreaks. Oh, no. So, okay, there you, go. you got completely There's healed. That. So this book is called A Manual for Building a Spiritual Community at the Workplace. Okay. And it just contains the most obnoxious quotes. Okay, so here's a couple. Your angels of doing will want to swallow your seraphs of being. Oh, no. I I prefer Scientology to that. (laughs) There's more. They have better quotes. This might be my favorite, and by that, I mean the one I hate the most. (laughs) Thank God for the environmental crisis, without which we would lack any planetary consciousness, any sense of one world. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Some some establishments display signs that say we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. We, on the other hand, we say that although you may not be seated and dine with us, our interaction with you will come from being of service to the whole, the one being, tending to the collective wounds and opportunities to heal. (laughs) Oh, man. If I'm being kicked out of a restaurant, don't spout that at me. I would love to see that on a sign. Oh, my God. Wow. There have been many times when one of our employees stands on the top of a chair in the middle of a crowded cafe and asks everyone to pay attention as he or she reads our mission statement out loud. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God. Um, This is wild. I know. When trying to become rich, I put post-it notes all around me that read, I love money, and money loves me. Okay. When you follow the sacred commerce path, Mm -hmm. they say, now you get to live the extraordinary life of a merchant priest, a director of consciousness, a managing partner for God. 
Hmm. Wow. Yeah. What a weird conflation of language. Yeah. It's all just this like hyper capitalist. Yeah. And yet trying to mix it with this weird hippie religiosity. Yep. Spiritualism. Wow. Which is totally the vibe of Landmark from what I can glean. I've never been, but Mm. yeah, the stuff I've read about it, it feels like it's very much that way. Okay. Just a few more awful quotes. Loving money. Money is an expression or representation of the divine presence of abundance that is everywhere, always. Money represents the inner quality of abundance, the knowingness of always being provided for. In the same way, a photograph of your children represents the inner quality of love. Oh, goodness. Now, a meeting at Cafe Gratitude sounds especially insufferable. Apparently, they gather everyone in a circle and one person speaks at a time and has to start with, I love and honor myself, and I am happy to share myself with you. And then the others all respond, we love and honor you and are happy to listen to you with love. And then that person continues their sentence. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Oh, my God. Certain moments in our investigations, like, you know, we haven't been there and heard that. But, you know, certain times when there are these intonations often said in unison as a group or as a call and response, And you think, this is what a cult sounds like. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And something like that. When it's a long, complicated, multi-part phrase that you say in response to someone else in unison with others, fits the bill. That doesn't mean that that's, you know, a sufficient um, recipe for a cult. It's a checkbox. It's a pink flag. Also, just like the language of Scientology is so prevalent and upset is said so many times. Mm. And the completion process in the terms of like having an upset. The only time I really hear that is like an upset in the polls that feels familiar. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if I said like, oh, Ross had an upset, his bike was (laughs) stolen. Yeah, I did. And it was. I'm sorry. Thanks. And then there's just a bunch of stuff about uh, getting clear, clearing the. Mm. Yeah. Okay. which yeah, our listeners will know is very similar to Scientology. Yeah, I knew it was influenced by Scientology, but wow, it's always amazing yeah. just to see the language so baldly kind of lifted. Just to get my own mind around this, I ended up making this crazy flow chart of the different groups that have been influenced by Scientology and how they oh, all yeah. connect. And there you can see Landmark at the kind of middle and Father Yod somewhere up near the top. Carrie's drawn a great flow chart here. I'm going to take a picture of it with It's by no means complete. My cat evening is in the background. Let's see if I can get this to focus. So yeah, Father Yod studied under Yogi Bajan. Someone else who studied under him was one of the leaders in Ordo Templi Orientis when it was refounded. Okay. Very strange bedfellows that, of course, Ordo Templi Orientis is connected to Jack Parsons, which is connected to Scientology, which is connected to Est, which is connected to Landmark Forum, which is connected to Cafe Gratitude, QED. They're all connected. Yeah, we are all connected. That's the point. Thank (laughs) you so much for listening. Amazing. Oh, that's cool. I've never seen that visually depicted. So then after the the Q&A, we had a bit of an ecstatic dance. Oh, yes, that's right. That was the way to finish off the evening. What was it? Was it Let the Sunshine In? Spirit in the Sky. That's what we were dancing to. Set me up with the spirit in the sky. Spirit in the sky. It's where I'm going to go when I die. When I die. When I die and they lay me to rest. I'm going to go to the place that's, that's the, the best. best. So we danced around to that for a while. That was fun. 
uh, there were a wide variety of dance styles. Another moment that I texted Matthew and said, you would hate this so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, and that's how it all started, was him saying how disgusting this whole thing sounded. So really, this is all a thank you note to Matthew. Thank you so much for recommending this, for saying, Ross, Carrie, you gotta do this. We appreciate that, Matthew. (laughs) As we're heading out and about to leave, Phil sitting across from us, he was still trying to figure out how he knew that other guy sitting next to you, but (laughs) but he said, oh, I really enjoyed our conversation tonight. Here, he gave me a business card. He said, you know, love to hear from you. And I said, okay, well, I'll send you an email. He said, well, that's not on the business card, but, you know, hit me up on Facebook. So so I did that. I connected with him and a little past midnight, he wrote me and he said, in all caps, wait, you're, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) I'm low-key freaking out. So literally every adventure, he's told us about all of his adventures, every adventure I've had for like the last three years, someone brings you guys up. (laughs) I was trying to place your names, but now that I realize that's your podcast, I'm just enamored. How awesome. Uh, And then he said he was going to celebrate the serendipity by taking Benadryl because he was still Uh, suffering from that cheesecake. I'm feeling you, Phil. Yeah. So we ended up, we met up, we shared some stories and yeah, we've, we've overlapped a lot. He said he went to the Ordo Templi Orient that same star sapphire lodge shortly after we did oh funny and so they were super paranoid and protective and he's like what's up with this group oh and he said he only stayed for one meeting because it just wasn't comfortable oh gosh sorry phil (laughs) yeah and uh, yeah he'd gone to contact in the desert we'd done all these very very similar things so it was fun sharing stories with him well even if he had thought of it phil did the right thing which is don't mention it in the moment yes keep it low-key that's right Low key. Play it cool. Let's have the experience. Then you can email us later and say, by I'm, the way, I knew who you were the whole time. So it was fun oh, to nice. see him again there. And um, and now you're reunion, in love. Reunion dinner. Yes. And we're expecting children. Okay. Great. To come over and say hello? Yes. Okay, cool. We're expecting children to be the future. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they will be. Teach them well and let them lead the way. And after the ecstatic dance, that was it. Everyone collected themselves. We all evaporated out the door. We gave each other knowing nods and smiles as we waited for our valets. And that was it. Yeah, I guess we could rate this. Yeah, I wouldn't know whether to rate well, the source family, this dinner, Father Cafe Yod, Gratitude. Isis, Aquarian. Sort of landmark forum. Sacred commerce. Electricity as a name. Yeah. <laughs> or explosion versus Cecil. Mm-hmm. There's so many things Cecil's to rate. Wait, really hot drinks. Name. Were there hot drinks? I don't think so. Though, when I got my cocktail, I know they said cocktails or tea. Okay. I didn't see the tea. I don't know if it was iced, if it was hot. God, it, we've really, we've let mm. you down as layers of information. <laughs> I don't know. But the mule was good. Yeah, so, the mule was uh, really right, good. So, thumb sideways on that one. Yeah, so it'd be hard to know what to rate here. I want to say it's too bad we didn't get to meet Father Yoda. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but he sounded like a fascinating character. Yeah. And if you want to see him naked and other interesting things about him, definitely check out that documentary. <laughs> it, it is very entertaining. We've seen many documentaries about these kinds of groups, and I'd say it's one of the better ones. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. Our editor is Victor Figueroa. Thank you, Victor. You can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. 
thank you to all of you who do. That uh, really makes what we do possible so we can keep having all these fun adventures and running into Phil. <laughs> but keep it cool, Phil. Keep it cool. And if you're in San Francisco, come up and see our Sketchfest show. Please do. It's happening this week. Yeah, the 21st. We're going to be in Cops Comedy Club on Tuesday, 8 p.m. So yeah, come by. Say hi. Oh, also random, but I want to thank the listener who donated to Drew's and my gift registry. Someone found our wedding registry Aww. and already gave to it a listener who I don't personally know was the first person to give. Really sweet. Oh, that's nice. And uh, I'll follow up just a little bit in our last episode about Richard Lale Lillard, the uh, psychic. We mentioned wanting to hear from uh, Trump voters or oh, supporters yeah. who listen to our show because, you know, we talk a lot about what a terrible person he is. <laughs> and uh, I think we've gotten four responses so far. And uh, we really appreciate that, that there are people willing to listen across the aisle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's really cool. We need more of that. So mm-hmm. uh, good on you for that. Not for supporting Trump. <laughs> yeah, consider voting for someone else. One of them did say, like, I did support him. I don't anymore. Okay, I'll take that. And remember, from Sacred Commerce. We celebrate every dollar earned as a sacred exchange. Hey gang, Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun, and with me is Stacy Molsky, who is, among other things, the lady who responds to all of your tweets. Hi everyone, I also send you newsletters. Uh, so anyway, something really awesome. You, Max Fun listeners, have given us the chance to do something really cool on behalf of our entire community, and we wanted to tell you about it. Last summer, following the Max Fun Drive, we put all of the enamel pins on sale to $10 and up members, with proceeds going to the National Casa GAL Association for Children. Your generous support and enthusiasm raised over $100,000. Our bookkeeper, Steph, would be quick to tell me the exact total is $109,025, to be exact. Your money will go toward pairing kids who've experienced abuse or neglect with court-appointed advocates or guardian ad litem volunteers. In other words, kids in tough spots will have somebody in their corner. Knowledgeable grown-ups who are on their team through court dates and life upheavals and confusing situations, whatever. The money we raise together is going to help a lot of kids. Whether you bought pins or not, you can help us build on that $109,000 foundation. Make a donation to support National Casa GAL and help some of our nation's most vulnerable children at MaximumFun.org slash C-A-S-A. That's MaximumFun.org slash CASA. And seriously, thank you. Our community rules. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.